Well, hello there. My name is Jan Burt, and this is my podcast, The Burt Not Ernie Show, where we talk about God's promises and the hope those promises bring to our everyday lives. Whenever I meet somebody new, I introduce myself as Jan Burt and say, like Burt and Ernie, since it's easy to confuse my last name with a different one. And almost always, people smile when they think of Burt and Ernie. That got me thinking. I'm a Burt, and I'm not an Ernie. But how often do we live as if we're someone God never meant for us to be? Part of knowing who you are is knowing who you're not. Hence the name, The Burt Not Ernie Show. I'm so glad you're here. Let's dig into God's promises. Well, hey there. Welcome to this episode of the podcast. On the show, The Burt Not Ernie Show, I'm pretty dialed in on the singular focus of getting the promises of God into the people of God. We should know what God has promised, and we ought to live as if we not only know, but we believe God's promises. He meant what he said, and he said what he meant. The word of God is living and active. It says that in Hebrews 4, verse 12, and I truly believe there's no reason that it shouldn't be alive and active in your life, in the lives of all who are disciples of the Lord Jesus. That's why we're taking a good hard look at what is promised us in the book of Joshua today. I'm ready. Are you? You're listening to the Burt Not Ernie Show, part of the Spark Network, now playing in the Edify app. This is episode number 156. All right, let's dig in to this book of Joshua and discover what God has promised to us, his people. In the Old Testament book of Joshua, you know, really, this whole book, it's like a critical portion of scripture that believers should read. If you've never read it, maybe um, say like, has this happened to you? Raise your hand. It's happened to me. Maybe you began a Bible reading plan at the beginning of the new year, right? And you started in Genesis, Exodus, and then Leviticus and Numbers, Deuteronomy. Maybe just for like, whoa, I'm feeling really like, I don't know. I don't understand what's going on here. Uh, maybe you fell off the wagon, I guess, you know, like you didn't finish the Bible reading plan. Maybe you never got to book number six in the Bible, the book of Joshua. So um, that's okay. I, I mean, it. that's okay. We've all been there, all done that. I mean, maybe some of us haven't, but I think most of us have. If It's okay if you haven't read it, because today's a great day to make a decision, to put it on your calendar, put it in your phone as a reminder to start reading book number six in the Bible, the book of Joshua. I can tell you that you're going to find a lot in this book. Are you maybe wondering about what true biblical womanhood looks like? As in, what did women of the Bible do? Like, what did they actually do when they were living aright, I guess you might say? I mean, you can find things like Jezebel, Ahab's wife, and things where it's like, oh, that's not, ooh, yuck, ouch. I'm talking about when they were doing the thing properly, so to speak. There are some women in Joshua that you can look at and sort of be prepared for maybe, um, you know, I'm warning you, be prepared for maybe a bit of a different picture than you might currently have of biblical womanhood. A while back on social media, I saw like an image and it was a skull and had a large spike type thing driven right through the skull, like at the temple. Now, it was drawn like a cartoon. It's not like it was an actual picture of a skull with a spike through it. It wasn't like overly graphic. It was a a, a drawing. It was a graphic, a cartoon graphic. It wasn't overly graphic. So let me clarify. It wasn't gory, just like a cartoon image. And the verbiage was like true biblical womanhood said something like that. That's straight out of Joshua. I'm not going to tell you exactly 
what that is or where to find it, but I'm going to encourage you. Like that's like a teaser, like a trailer. Encourage you, open the book of Joshua and read it. He's got a couple of women in this book who were heroic, who did valiantly. They exhibited wisdom and bravery. And they did some things that were for certain a tremendous blessing to their people. So maybe if you would like to be a blessing to your people, whoever those people are, the people in your local church, in the global church, uh, social media and all the things of the interwebs have made it so that we are more connected as a global big C church body than ever before. Uh, Maybe you just want to do things that will be a tremendous blessing in your workplace, in your community, your city, you know, right here on your block where you live. What about um, in your own family, your small group? Okay, check out the book of Joshua. You might find some things that will be really encouraging to you on your quest to discover the, the whole encompassing total biblical model for, you know, solid biblical womanhood. All right. Think about reading through Joshua. That's kind of, I guess, my plug for the book of Joshua. But consider reading this book if you never have. It is really, truly encouraging. It has some very honest reality check moments in it that are good for all of God's people to know about. It's very real. There are pitfalls, the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. It's all here in this book of the Bible. Um, Our Bible is real from beginning to end. It's not like all jazzed up and sugar-coated, one of the reasons that you and I can trust that God is not hiding things from us is because his book, the Bible, does not hide things. As it was, that's how it's put down on paper. It hasn't been prettied up and made more palatable. It hasn't gone through extensive edits. It's not like, think of maybe Egyptian pharaohs who wanted the record to show something different than what happened, and so that strike that, you know, like it literally would be carved off the face of the the pillars and things where all of this history was documented. It would be written the way they wanted it, not maybe the way that it always actually happened. The Bible's not like that. It is raw in its honesty, and this should cause us to trust God all the more. His willingness to tell it as it was, that should be comforting for us. We don't have to play hide and seek with God because he's a very real God. He just is. You can come to him as you are, and you can expect to not leave his presence still the same. He's going to change you. He's going to do a work, but you can be real with him because he's not hiding stuff from you. The fact that the Bible is so truthful and real and authentic and genuine um, with the good, the bad, and the ugly, that's a good thing for us. And when in your life and mine, God comes to us and tells it like it is, just as he does in the Bible, tells it like it was. When he tells you and I like it is, that might just be the most loving thing that he can do at that moment. So that's some food for thought there. Okay, so as we're working our way through the Bible and looking at God's promises all throughout the entire Bible in every book, we're going to look at a couple of places from Joshua. And, you know, I'm going to hit a biggie first right off the bat, and then I'm going to circle back around to uh, an earlier part of the book of Joshua. So I'm kind of working backwards. We're going to start in chapter 21 and then hop back to the very beginning. Okay, Joshua 21, verse 45. I'm going to read this from the New Living and the Amplified. So first NLT and then the Amplified. Not a single one of all the good promises that the Lord had given to the family of Israel was left unfulfilled. Everything he had spoken came true. 
Amplified says this, not one of the good promises which the Lord had spoken to the house of Israel failed. All had come to pass. Okay, um, that last little snippet there, everything he had spoken came true and all had come to pass in the two different versions I read. I'm going to read those from two more versions. The CSB, Christian Standard Bible, says everything was fulfilled. And the Young's literal translation says the whole hath come. Okay, now I get I get it that not everybody loves words the way that I that I do. Like I am a word person. I read a lot, a fair bit. I read a fair bit. I probably average like completing five to seven books a month, sometimes more, probably sometimes less. And I've got several in addition to that average of five to seven that I finish a month. I have several that I'm always like sort of reading through all the time. Like I'm always reading through the Bible. I just always am. I'm always reading through the Bible. And there are books like um, A.E.W. Mason's The Four Feathers. I could just pick that up, read some of it. I probably read through it once or twice a year. What about E.M. Bound's book On Prayer? Yeah, I feel like I'm always reading through that book or Strunk and White's The Elements of Style. That's one that I can always grab and read through. Like, so I've got both the books I read once and then the books that I'm always reading. And often a book I've read once, I'll read again because Charlotte Mason said, if a book is not worth reading once, it's not, if if a book is not, I'm sorry, I misspoke. If a book is not worth reading twice, it's probably not worth reading once. And that has saved me a lot of finishing a book that I just, in the end of the, the equation, the end of it all, like went, I would never read this again. Why am I reading it now? I don't know. So, but most of the books I read, if I finish them, they're worth reading again. Okay. Boy, that's a lot of book talk there. So but even if you don't love words like I do, you might still appreciate the tones in these varied translations. All had come to pass. Isn't that comforting and like beautiful? Everything was fulfilled. If, if this doesn't spark hope, I don't know what will. The whole hath come. That is the end result, the final outcome for you in regard to all that which God has promised. And he has made you promises. While God most certainly does call us to obedience and to faith and to belief, right? Our job is the work of believing. It says in the New Testament book of John to believe ultimately in Jesus whom he has sent. That's our work, the the work of belief. God doesn't just leave us like holding the bag when it comes to his promises. It's not on my shoulders or yours to make, to force the impossible, to get it to come to pass, to get this thing across the finish line. We can't do that. We're not God. Our work in this is faith, obedience, belief. We sure don't need to help God out in order for his will to come to pass. I think you know that. And yet, if you're anything like me, do you ever catch yourself at times like fiddling around with things going, what what am I at? Whoa, I'm actually trying to help God out. How ridiculous is that? Joshua 21, verse 45, it's a reminder that God finishes what he starts and that he keeps all of his promises and all means all, A-L-L. And it also reminds us that his promises to his people are good. It says not a single one of all the good promises that the Lord had given them was left unfulfilled. Not one of his good promises to them failed. He is unfailing, this God of ours. The whole hath come. That may not be your reality in this exact moment, but it will be your reality one day. How can I say that? How can I say that with such assurance? Because 
I know the one in whom I believe, the one to whom I have entrusted so very much. I know him. He's trustworthy. He's, there's a worship song I've listened to that says, you've got a resume, Jesus. And does he not? Yes, he does. The one who kept every good promise that he made to the family of Israel, will he not also keep every good promise he has made to the bride of Christ? He will. Everything will be fulfilled. Every promise will come true. All will come to pass and the whole will come for you. You know that saying, I don't doubt in the dark what God told you in the light. That's pretty good counsel, honestly. So, so don't, don't doubt, kick doubt to the curb. It's kind of like, think of like your property line. Like, it's just like, you're kicking it beyond your property line. That can't come here. You just can't be coming around here. You know, in the words of Tom Petty, don't come around here no more. Think of it like, um, like kickball. My kids played a lot of kickball growing up here in our, in our little court with the, with the neighborhood kids and with each other. We had five kids in our family. So there's always somebody to play kickball with. Kick that thing. So it's like, I'm getting, I'm, I'm going to score on this. I'm going to kick and I'm going to run all the bases and I'm going to score because you're not going to be able to get it. That's how far I'm kicking that dodgeball. Kicked out to the curb like that. Like it just, you can't come here. You're not welcome here. Bye-bye. Put it on the trash heap and set it ablaze. Burn it to ash and then bury the ashes if you need to. Like get serious. In other words, get serious about refusing to let doubt have any room in your life, in your heart, and in your mind. It's toxic. It's like poison. And you wouldn't want your child to ingest poison day after day, right? Likewise, your father does not want you ingesting toxic and poisonous doubt. Listen, listen, listen carefully, because this is really important. Some of us don't look at doubt through like, um, you know, we wear rose colored glasses. Let's put on our, our Bible perspective, the truth and Jesus Christ is the way, truth and the life are, are God glasses. Here's what doubt is. Doubt is a dream killer, a relationship killer, a health killer. Doubt is a faith killer, a hope killer. Doubt is a peace stealer and doubt has certainly wrecked homes and damaged families and forced people to give up on their goals their hopes and their dreams to turn on one another. Doubt has left so much carnage in its wake. How about if it just doesn't leave anymore because it has no access? It can't. It can't. Why? Because we've kicked it to the curb. There's no doubt in my life. I'm not leaving room for it. It really isn't something to be placated or tolerated. When it comes to doubt, just simply give it no place in your life because it's up to no good, especially when it comes to the things of the Lord. Doubt And Jesus are two words that don't go together. They're like oil and water. They don't mix. They maybe don't even belong in the same sentence together. Unless your sentence is one where you're declaring that Jesus is the king and doubt is dead in the kingdom of your Lord. Not one word of promise failed and not one word of promise will ever fail. You might know what I'm about to say because I've said it so many times before, but I'm going to say it again. God is a perfect promise maker and a perfect promise keeper. He leaves nothing undone. He leaves nothing half done. Perfection is how he operates. Not one word of promise to you will ever fail. Okay, I'm going to bounce back now to Joshua chapter, I'm going to go to chapter one. And there in chapter one, I'm going to, um, 
I'm going to share a promise with you that something of a glimpse into the heart of God for his people, I guess, is the best way for me to describe it. Chapter one, verses one through three. And I'm going to read this passage to you from, I'm going to read from the Amplified. Here's what it says. Now it happened after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' servant, saying, Moses, my servant is dead. Now, therefore, arise to take his place. Cross over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land which I am giving them, to the sons of Israel. I have given you every place on which the sole of your foot treads, just as I promised Moses. Very clear instructions were given. The people knew that God had placed Joshua in the leadership position, taking his place, it says here. And they were now to cross over this Jordan into the land that God was giving them to all the children of Israel. That's who it was being giving, given to, all of the children of Israel. Verse 3, I'm going to read that again. It says, I have given you every place on which the sole of your foot treads, just as I promised to Moses. Does anything from these three verses jump out at you today? Like, wowza, you know, the Lord is really encouraging me. He is speaking to my heart. He's showing me something. This is for me. This is what I needed right now. You know, maybe he's calling you to do something. To cross over some kind of Jordan into the land of promise. Do you need to take a step or two today or 10 or a thousand to finish the walk into that place where he's calling you? If so, I just want to encourage you not to delay. Don't delay. Just get busy walking. It's kind of like God's just walking us home in a way, you know, like, and we know what home is. Home is, is with him in eternity in heaven. And it's kind of true. He's kind of walking us home. And I know I'm not saying that if you cross whatever Jordan God may be asking you to cross, that means super duper soon you're going to go be with Jesus. That's not what I'm saying. I mean, we need to walk with him and keep walking with him yoked to Jesus because his burden is light and his burden is easy. When we're yoked to him, we're not able to really just like run away because we're under his yoke. We're under his authority. And yet he lets us walk side by side with him. We're yoked to him. And in a yoke of oxen, there's a lead ox and he does the leading and the other follows, even though they're side by side working together. They're not both in the lead. It's like dancing. Who's leading? Who's following? So when you are yoked to him and you walk side by side, joined at the hip with the Lord, the Lord is still in the lead just the way the lead ox is. So, but you're not going to be able to run away because you're yoked to him. You're not going to rush ahead or lag behind because you're attached at the hip. So we're simply taking the next step and then the next one with the Lord. It's really a lovely way to walk out our days. And I mean that it's a beautiful way to walk out our days and the way we live our days. That's how we live our lives, right? Where our minutes go, that's where our lives go. So we walk it out with him and it's lovely because his yoke is easy and his burden is light. You can hear him speak to you because he's right next to you. He's not yelling and screaming to get your attention. And you're not always wondering, oh, boy, I don't hear him. Where is he? God's not talking to me. Are you yoked to him? Are you walking with him? Because he's so close, close enough that he wants to collect your tears in his bottle, in a little bottle. That's close. That's right by your side. It's stuck to you like glue, like white on rice. You know, like, are you that close to him or have you maybe gotten out from underneath of that yoke and you're off over here somewhere and wondering why you can't hear him. It's not always the case, but it is something to consider. You know, we don't want him shouting to try to get our attention. We don't want to be far from him. You want to walk in step with him. And so do I doing the things he preordained for you to do. Just as it says, 
In Ephesians, he preordained good works in advance that you might do them and walk in them. That's what it says. Ephesians, another great book to read. What happens when we walk with the Lord where the Lord wants us to go? He gives us the things that he wants us to have. And every good and perfect gift comes from the Father. That's what it says in James. When you get a good gift, it's from the Father. That's where it comes from. That's what James says. And that's the truth. Where he leads, that's where your foot's going to tread when you're yoked to him. And where it treads when it's at his leading, by his leading, I mean like you are under his authority. You are under his lordship. He is Lord of all. That's the place of promise for you. There are so many promises in the book of Joshua. There's no way I can share them all in this episode. And since this is a series of finding promises in each book of the Bible, every book of promise, I'm not going to be able to like pause and do several episodes on the book of Joshua. But but I can share uh, a few more, a handful more verses. Not going to go into a deep dive um, you know, on each one, but I'm going to share the verses because I believe there's somebody listening that one or more of these verses is really going to be encouraging for you. Now, here's the thing about what I just said. doesn't matter that that I'm speaking. God can, in about 1.1 seconds, raise up 10 million far better podcasters talking about the promises of God than me. I am irrelevant. These are verses that the Lord put on my heart to share today. I prayed a lot about which verses. These are the ones that he said to share. I'm going to share them because this is God to you. The Bible is in many ways God's love letter to you. So if you can just kind of remove me out of it and just hear what the word of the Lord says and realize that it's for you from God. And if this encourages you, praise the Lord. I'm rejoicing with you in that whoever you might be in whichever one of these verses might be a source of encouragement. So I really hope that they will help you to be filled with renewed faith and hope in your personal daily walk with the Lord, because God's promises are true for you. Okay. Chapter one, verse five. No, and these are from the Amplified. Sorry, I forgot to specify which translation. Chapter one, verse five. No man will be able to stand before you to oppose you as long as you live. Just as I was present with Moses, so will I be with you. I will not fail you or abandon you. Okay. Does anybody feel like they've got some opposition right now? Well, here's your promise. No man is going to stand before you to oppose you as long as you live. As long as you live. You stick close to him. You be yoked with Jesus and you walk with him and you take this promise as your own. As it says in Isaiah no weapon formed against you will prosper and no and every tongue that rises up against you you will condemn this is the lord's promise to his servants that's you my friend you are um you're a child of god and you're a slave to christ those are both descriptions of you when you know jesus those are from the new testament so you can take this to the bank as your promise he says just as i was present with moses so will i be with you ask him for this ask him for this and is this not true Jesus said, I mean, well, the Bible says, and this is talking of Jesus, how can I forget you? I've engraved you on the palms of my hands. And he has. The nail scars prove that he's not going to forget you or abandon you. I will not fail you or abandon you. He'll be with you. He's present with you. He's not going to fail you. He's not going to abandon you. And whatever is coming against you to oppose you, it cannot stand. Do you know why? Because nothing can stand in the presence of the Lord. Really, it can't. Think about it. When the soldiers came to arrest Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he said, you know, ask who are you looking for? And they said, well, Jesus of Nazareth. And he said, I am he. Boom. 
They were on their backs, these Roman soldiers were. So you can't just have an enemy who is opposed to, it's really not necessarily about you. It's about being opposed to, um, to the Lord, right? Because you are marked as his own. Nothing can stand against him. That's really the truth. Okay. Chapter one, verse 13 says this, remember the word, which Moses, a servant of the Lord commanded you saying, the Lord, your God is giving you rest and will give you this land. Somebody may need to be reminded that rest is not a sin, even though where I live in America, it kind of can be painted as if you it's a sin. If you ever rest, rest is not a sin. And when he says, I will give you, if there's something God is saying, just rest in me and trust me, that can be your biggest like uh, exhibited way of living out your faith to rest in the Lord and trust him to give you what he has said he will give. He had promised them the promised land. And here he said, the Lord, your God is giving you rest and will give you this land. If that's a word for you today, would you just receive it from the Lord and believe it? And remember what I said about doubt, kick it to the curb. Don't let that come into play because it doesn't have no business in your life as a child of God. Okay. Chapter four, verse 22 Uh, The last little bit, it just says, Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. That's a promise fulfilled. You may be standing up against something that seems like a Jordan at flood stage. And you're like, I can't get through this. I cannot get through this. But on the other side of it, what we discover here on the other side of the promise was the reality that they had crossed the Jordan on dry ground. You're going to get through to the other side because God is with you. And when you cross, if he says it's going to be dry ground, it's going to be dry ground. If he says you're going over here, you're going over there. So um, I hope that's an encouraging word for somebody because promises made or promises kept with the Lord, your God. Chapter five, verse nine. Then the Lord said to Joshua, this is the day I have rolled away the reproach, the derision, the ridicule of Egypt from you. Okay. So these people were maybe still living under it. Now think about this. These are the people whose parents died during the 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. And this will apply to the next verse, the last one I'm going to share from chapter five. They they were the ones born in the wilderness. And so still, like this is still clinging to them, even though they weren't born into Egypt, into slavery. Still, it's like clinging to them. You ever had, David talks about that in the Psalms, those sins that seem to cling to you uh, or issues or attacks. Look, If there is something that you need rolled away from you, like get off me, that's a reproach, a derision, a ridicule, the Lord can do that. And I believe he wants to do that. So would you pray and ask him to, and then just believe by faith that it's done, that this is the day he has rolled away the reproach and the derision and the ridicule from you. It's off you in the name of Jesus. And the last one, chapter five, verse 12, and the manna ceased on the day after They had eaten some of the produce of the land so that the Israelites no longer had manna, but they ate some of the produce of the land of Canaan during that year. This is a good word. You're coming out of a long, dry season. And maybe if you are like these people who were born in the wilderness, only two people entering into the promised land who came out of Egypt were Caleb and Joshua, the Joshua this book is named after. Everyone else, uh, they had watched their their family die, their parents die, right? Their aunts and uncles and whatnot. Like it's just the youngins, the new generation, they're stepping in to the promised land. They've only ever had manna as their provision. They get there day one, they're eating some of what this land, the crops of this land, the land of milk and honey. And then the manna ceased. 
when God says you don't need it anymore, you don't need it anymore. If he's calling you to a new place and you feel like I, I want to go and I'm ready to go, but I'm still hanging on to this with a death grip because I don't know anything else. And I'm kind of scared and nervous. I just want to encourage you. Remember you're yoked with Jesus. So let go of the thing you're hanging on to with a death grip, let go. And instead just take the hand of the one who's walking you home. The one you're yoked with. Hold on to the Lord. Hold his hand. Hold on for dear life if you have to, but hold on to him and let go of that, the, what he wants you to let go of and move forward into the place that he wants to take you. You can't walk with him and get anywhere if you're fighting him. You're leaning forward. I want to go here. And you're fighting him because you're like yoked to him. And you're like, God, he's trying to move forward. And you're like, I'm leaning forward, but I'm also leaning back. And I'm hanging on behind me with one hand. I'm leaning forward, straining with the other. I'm not Elastigirl from The Incredibles. I can't be stretched all like I, uh, Jesus is leading and I'm not letting him lead and I'm fighting him, even though I don't really want to be fighting him just because I'm hanging on to what I've known for a very long time, maybe even my whole life. If the Lord wants you to move forward and you have to let go of that, if the manna is supposed to cease, let it cease and trust your Lord enough to let it go, grab hold of him and move forward into your next place, the place of promise. All right, that's it for today. Thank you so much for joining me as we've kind of been examining God's good promises. And remember their good promises to the people who bear his name, those he loves so very much, it says in First John, and that's you. It's a blessing to talk about God's word and his promises, and I am thankful for the fact that you've joined me listening today. I don't take it for granted, not ever. And uh, I have a new-ish secondary podcast, a prayer podcast with Jan Elbert. If you'd like to check that out, I'll put the link in the show notes. It's just, it's about prayer, and I pray on every episode. And, you know, Hey, if this episode encouraged you at all, or you maybe would like to share it with a friend or share it on social media, uh, that would be really great. I'd appreciate that very much because it's it's about getting God's word to as many people as possible, if that makes sense. And so every share um, just does that. It spreads the word quite literally. So, all right, keep standing firmly on the solid rock of the Lord Jesus Christ, upon whom you've built your life, believing the promises in the Bible, because they are yours. I'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode that is part of the Spark Media Network that can now be heard on the Edify app. So glad you joined me for this episode of the Burt Not Ernie Show. It's an honor and a blessing to talk about God's promises with you. Have a fabulous day. And remember, part of knowing who you are is knowing who you're not. Lord bless. I'll see you next time.